From PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and Sandberg Media, LLC, I'm David Dalt with Things Not Seen. Here we are at the end of this half millennium with the crisis of authority again. And who gets to say what God wants? Who gets to decide what we're meant to want alongside God? So a position of humility is so essential right now in church life. The church needs to back off of some things that we've been saying very clearly for a long time and just say, you know what? We don't quite know. We've been saying something pretty bad about that for a long time. Things Not Seen is made possible in part through the generosity of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them, please go to patreon.com slash notseenradio. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash notseenradio. Thank you. Welcome to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Our guest today is Katie Hayes. She's the founder and lead evangelist of Galileo Church, a church that seeks and shelters spiritual refugees, especially young adults and LGBTQ plus people on the outskirts of Fort Worth, Texas. She's the author of We Were Spiritual Refugees, a story to help you believe in church and family of origin, family of choice, stories of queer Christians. Today we're talking about her recent book, God Gets Everything God Wants. Katie Hayes, welcome to Things Not Seen. Thank you so much, David. I'm glad to be here. So I've asked if we could begin our conversation with you reading a few passages from your book, God Gets Everything God Wants. I'd love to. It would be hard to overstate what baptism into the people of God could mean to spiritual refugees, people who have learned that the church doesn't want or understand or love all of who they are. Most of the spiritual refugees I've ever met have lived with an isolating sadness for a long time, alone in their thoughts, alone in their wondering if even God wishes they were a little bit or a whole lot less than they are. When we are baptized into the company of believers, into the oneness Paul prophetically envisioned for the baptized people of God, into Jesus's reign of God cloud where lonely people get their people back. We are promising each other that we'll stick together. We're confirming that we're well aware of the beauty, the brokenness, and the burdens we're all bringing into the mix. We're saying yes to all of that and no to the impossible sine qua non of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't freak out. I'm not saying that the God of the universe doesn't number the hairs on your head or know your true name or get your pronouns right every single time. I believe God does absolutely know the sequence of your DNA. And God did absolutely know before you did that you were gay or straight or a three on the Enneagram or whatever. But I am saying that you and I are not equipped to carry our half of a relationship with the deity of the universe or the word of God in flesh 
all by our lonesome. God is a lot. God is too much for any one of us, which is why we need each other. We want to want what God wants, but the weight of wanting that can crush a single human being. Together, we are so much stronger. And when one of us tuckers out temporarily, the rest of us can keep it going. It's a thing we say at Galileo Church sometimes, keep the faith. And if you can't today, I'll keep it for you for a while. It honors the reality that on any given day, some of us are atheists, or at least considering it. On those days when it's me, I'm an atheist in the company of the faithful, and they are holding on, keeping the faith for my sake. Thanks be to God. And that is our guest, Katie Hayes, reading from her recent book, God Gets Everything God Wants. Thank you for reading that. And the reason why I wanted to start there is that it it gives us a lot to dig into in this conversation. And the place that I'd like to start is we oftentimes, if we go to church, we've heard this phrase that we are called to life in abundance. That's what God has promised us in Jesus Christ. But you talk about this isolating sadness, and there's a tension there between a church that is proclaiming that you're going to have life in abundance and a church reality that oftentimes asks people to compartmentalize or leave parts of their life behind in order to walk in the doors and be accepted. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that tension. Yeah, I recall from my own childhood that my closet in my bedroom had two sections for hanging up clothes. There were school clothes or play clothes, depending on the season, and then a smaller section over off to the side of church clothes. These were the separate outfits that were reserved for Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights in the church of my youth. And those were the clothing that would get us in the door. That's that was uh, they were not just allowable, but they were they were special. They were nicer than the other clothes. And so our identity in that space was marked off by our wardrobe. And I think about that as a kind of uh, metaphor for what the church asks a lot of people to do bifurcate ourselves. We, we speak a certain way in church. We relate to one another a certain way in church and outside of church. We can be I don't know, ourselves, wholly together. And it's been one of the gifts for me of LGBTQ Christians in particular who want more than anything else to just be the same person everywhere they go. They don't want to hide any part of their identity in any spaces in the church is a space that has asked them to hide such a big part of their lives. And from that, I learned that, oh, my own identity is disintegrated. (laughs) I myself am living a kind of bifurcated existence as a Christian and as a pastor. Well, and so as we're thinking about this, I'm aware also that we just talked about this call to life and life in abundance. There's also this call from the Apostle Paul that says, listen, if we think about Christ, there's not going to be Greek or Jew. There's not going to be slave or free. There's not going to be male or female. We're all going to be one body in Christ. And what I'm hearing you saying is that oftentimes in practice, the church has instead said, listen, we need you to separate your day clothes from your church clothes. We need you to separate your daily life from your church life. We need you to separate your daily identity from your church identity. But I want to make sure that I've heard that clearly. Are are you saying that this is a kind of endemic problem in church practice today? I think that it is. I think we still have 
lots and lots of church spaces where we're expected to go in and be altogether different than we were on Saturday night, for example, and then we <laughs> different than we will be on Monday morning. So that Sunday is really set apart for just a piece of our identities, just a piece of ourselves. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt, and today we're speaking with Katie Hayes. She's the founder and lead evangelist of Galileo Church, a church that seeks and shelters spiritual refugees. She's the author of several books, and today we're talking about her recent book, God Gets Everything God Wants. Well, I've said a couple of times now in introducing you that you're the founder of Galileo Church, and it's a striking title for a church, given the history between at least the Catholic Church and the man Galileo Galilei. So I'm, I'm wondering if you can tell me and my listeners a little bit about this church, Galileo Church, why it was founded and why it was named what it was named. Sure. I pastored small, traditional congregations for almost 20 years. It was the spring of 2013 when I finally was nudged and pulled and finally pushed over the edge by the Holy Spirit to leave that setting and try something new on the spiritual but not religious frontier, where I really wanted to find out what it was about the church that had raised and nurtured me that I knew how to do pretty well as a person and as a pastor that had always welcomed my family, which is a cisgender, heterosexual marriage with two kids and a Labrador retriever. What was happening in our culture that was making that institutional form of life together altogether unattractive for people younger than myself who loved Jesus, but didn't want anything to do with the institution that, that I was serving. And so Galileo Church and the name for it were born together out of this idea that the North American, mainly white Protestant church is not the center of the universe. People are not clamoring to get in our doors. We are not the place where all the best and most nourishing things are happening for human life. That might have been true sometime before, but it doesn't feel true now. And so how do we decenter ourselves from our idea of how the world works? Galileo, of course, built a telescope and did the math to prove that the earth is not the center of the universe. He was excommunicated for saying so. And so every year on his birthday, February 15th, we tweet out happy birthday wishes to Galileo Galilei, devout and kicked out just like the rest of us. What it signals in the title of our congregation now is, first of all, that we are not afraid of science. In fact, we adore science as a concurrent narrative that blends beautifully with our faith that never pretends to know everything there is to know about the world. Neither does theology, right? We're always learning and nudging each other in a better course correction, you know, for our future investigation of what's true about this world that God still loves. And I think naming a church Galileo is to hopefully to signal a kind of humility to right size the church in the world and to say, we understand that the church has not always been a trustworthy place for your own human flourishing. And we're trying to say something about that and do something about that in our embodied life together. I really appreciate you talking a little bit about the thought behind Galileo Church and the, the title of Galileo. You also mentioned something in your answer that I want to circle back to. You mentioned the spiritual but not religious frontier, and I think that maybe my listeners will understand what you mean by that, but just in case, let's expand on that. What do you mean when you talk about that? Yeah, I'm talking about demographic research over the last 10, 20, 30 years that shows more and more North Americans 
saying that they don't have a religious institutional commitment. They don't claim to be one denomination or another. They don't claim Protestantism or Catholicism. But they say, in answer to certain kinds of questions, that they are spiritual, that they're tuned in to something in the universe that is bigger than ourselves, that it is beyond the world that we can see and experience with our senses. But it doesn't necessarily conform to any of the forms of religious faith, that is to say, community and historical and embodied practice (laughs) together. And so SBNR, spiritual but not religious, is a kind of shorthand to talk about those folks who want to be tuned in, but just don't have a community for doing that. And I sometimes call it also trying to do life alone, but not together, trying to answer life's biggest questions alone, but not together. Now, some mainline denominations, some more traditional approaches to being church would have a a pat answer to that question. They would say, well, it's just simple. There is one truth. And if these people are floundering about, we simply need to say more loudly, your way of living is wrong. And we have the truth. We have life. Come into our doors, sit in our pews, straighten your tie, and we'll get you sorted out. What do you and what does Galileo Church say to that kind of approach? We say that God's truth about human flourishing is meant to make us feel better, not worse. (laughs) And that we have to be really careful to sort out the things in our institutional life that don't have anything to do with human flourishing. They have to do more with the flourishing of the institution. They have to do more with the survival of the bureaucracy and the programming and the budgetary considerations of the institution as it currently exists. It's hard when you're in the middle of traditional church life to sort those things out. Which of these emphases in our life together really are for the sake of the people within the church and and which are just for the perpetuation of the way we've always done it? Furthermore, I think that for, in my experience of pastoring traditional churches, there's a lot of attention given to how we take care of each other. That is to say, a lot of programming and a lot of money spent and a lot of the pastor's energy thinking about the people who are already here. But what does it change about the way we make decisions, the way we spend money, the way we program our calendar, the way I spend my time, if we are trying to do church for people who are not here yet? That is to say, people who are experiencing that isolating, that sad, alone but not together, a spiritual, but not religious life, and who long for a community of belonging, a community of trust, maybe even in Jesus' name. What happens if we start to make decisions for people who are not here yet? It changes everything. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Katie Hayes. She's the founder and lead evangelist of Galileo Church, a church that seeks and shelters spiritual refugees, especially among young adults and LGBTQ plus people on the outskirts of Fort Worth, Texas. She's the author of several books, and today we're talking about her most recent one, God Gets Everything God Wants. We'll be back in a moment. Things Not Seen is brought to you in part by Liturgical Press. Liturgical Press is a trusted publisher of resources on liturgy, scripture, theology, and spirituality. They've evolved to serve the changing needs of the Christian church, and they produce resources for pastoral leaders, teachers, engaged learners, and all leaders looking for quality books on faith and culture. Lit Press books are available at your favorite book retailer and online at litpress.org. That's litpress.org. 
Welcome back to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. If you're enjoying these conversations, please go to our website, thingsnotseenradio.com. There you'll find close to 10 years of these sorts of interviews and conversations, all available for free for your listening pleasure. We're speaking today with Katie Hayes. She's the founder and lead evangelist of Galileo Church, a church that seeks and shelters spiritual refugees, especially young adults and LGBTQ plus people on the outskirts of Fort Worth, Texas. She's the author of We Were Spiritual Refugees, a story to help you believe in church and family of origin, family of choice, stories of queer Christians. Today, we're talking about her most recent book, God Gets Everything God Wants. Well, in your book, God Gets Everything God Wants, you talk about a person who comes to your church, she's lesbian, and she tells you a story about having gone to another church because her girlfriend went to that church, she was invited in, and she is eventually invited to be baptized, and a few minutes before her baptism, she's brought into a little side room, and the male elders of the church talk to her and say, listen, we're going to baptize you, but you have to break up with your girlfriend because you can't live that kind of lifestyle here. And I thought about that as you were talking in our previous segment about this idea of the flourishing of the institution, but not the flourishing of the people. And I'd really like to hear about this moment when you were talking to this young woman and kind of what her experience told you about both what the church is and what the church needs to be. This beloved friend of mine was confessing to me that she doesn't believe in God. This is a confession I hear a lot from people who show up at my church. I don't believe any of this stuff anymore. And part of my job as a helper in that conversation is to guide people through a conversation to figure out what it is exactly they don't believe in. Very often, it's not the God of the universe. It's not the God of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. It's not the God of Jesus that they don't believe in. But it is the representation of that God in the life of the churches that they themselves have experienced. It's the ways they have been seriously diminished by the church and done violence to by the church. That's what they don't believe in anymore. And it's not unrelated because I I can see why someone would say, if that's the way the people of God are, why would I put any trust in a God like that? So there's a kind of rehabilitation that our church then needs to do to say, "Mm, the people of God can try harder than that. We can do better than that, but we can also own up and take responsibility for the fact that the church has been doing things like that. Not always as overtly as in her case, but, but often and chronically for a long time. Well, at the top of the show, I had you read that passage from your book, God Gets Everything God Wants. And one of the things that you said there was when someone can't bear the faith at the moment, the response is, I'll carry the faith for you. And so at that particular moment when this young woman was saying to you, I don't believe in God anymore because of what the institution, the church did to me, how does a pastor, how does someone walking alongside a person like that convey to them without sounding paternalistic or sounding really like, oh, you'll get there eventually, sweetie, How does one convey that you're carrying the faith for them in a way that doesn't sound just off-putting? Mainly, I tell the truth to her and I say, it would be so good in my life and so good in the life of my church if you would travel with us for as long as you can stand it. We'll do our very best to be trustworthy and show you what's possible please understand we will also disappoint you sometimes, but hopefully not in that really mean-spirited and pointed way that you were disappointed last time. 
And when we do, if you'll let us know, we'll apologize heartily as if we were in real relationship with each other. Imagine that. It's if we were actually doing life together. So please stay. It would be such an honor. I would love to study the Bible with you, meaning I would love to hear what you actually think about what it says. And I would love to take communion with you, share the Eucharist with you. It would make my remembrance of Jesus that much sweeter if you were at my side. So if we build up enough relationship and enough trust, that particular atheist can stick around. And she does, thanks be to God. And it's true. My life is so much better because she's in it. I tell her that every chance I get. That's remarkable. I love that answer. And one of the things that sort of lifts up is that this is really not a finished product that you are trying to sell to somebody. It's a work in progress that you are co-creating with the people that walk alongside you. Now, those are my words, not yours. But as I say that, I see maybe there's a resonance there. Tell me, what am I getting right? Yeah, you're getting that right in that living life together in this family of God is what we're trying to do. It's not about making a newer, better institution. It's about what kind of infrastructure do we need and how light can it be to make possible these relationships? So whatever we're doing institutionally as a church, and Galileo Church is a church, that's what we do. But the infrastructure, every bit of it is meant to be sort of a, a lattice that a vine can grow on, the, the scaffolding that a building can be built around, right? Just the infrastructure we need so that friendship is possible. And so this notion of relationship, this really speaks to kind of, as you are building the different pieces of your book, God Gets Everything That God Wants, I don't want to give anything away, but you get to the end and you're like, it isn't just about me and it isn't a one person experience this Christianity thing. We really have to do this together. It is something that we do. We want to want everything that God wants. And so you're beginning to push in that direction that when this person who feels that their identity is, I'm not a God believer, you invite them to come alongside and say, my life as a Christian will be enriched by you who identify as a non-God believer to have your experience alongside my experience, that really is a reaching out to saying, it's not a me, it's a we. But maybe for my listeners, help me understand this dynamic of moving away from the me-centered Christianity to the we-centered Christian walk. Yes. And I first want to say that I think it's possible to want what God wants, even if you don't believe in God. So we're really now messing with the categories of what it means to be leaning into the long arc of the moral universe, bending toward justice. Do you have to do that only as a faithful, devout, church-going, tithing Christian person? Or is it possible in this world that you could actually want what God wants without any of that? Could you come alongside a church? Could you work within the family of a church to shape your own heart's desires to match God's own heart's desires. I think that's possible. And in many cases, uh, primary, first, before somebody believes anything about God or Christianity, about being imbued with the Holy Spirit of the living Christ, before they can say or accede to any of that, they can want what God wants. They can hunger for justice and long for kindness in this world and come alongside a church that hungers and longs in the same way and be part of our collective life together. So that we're not, there's no litmus test for belief at Galileo Church. Well, there's no litmus test for anything except that you say, yes, I'm here in my own true will. I'd like to show up and journey with you all. That's great. So here's what we're wanting. Here's what we think God has called us to want and lean into together. 
So if your missional priorities in some sense line up with our collective missional priorities, then here we go and we will go together. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Katie Hayes. She's the founder and lead evangelist of Galileo Church, a church that seeks and shelters spiritual refugees, especially young adults and LGBTQ plus people. We're speaking today about her recent book, God Gets Everything God Wants. Well, you've been talking about this notion of even an atheist can journey alongside you at Galileo Church, and you don't necessarily have to buy into all of the the beliefs and the creeds of the Christian faith in order to come and worship at Galileo Church. It strikes me that you talk about this at one point in your book, God Gets Everything That God Wants, that the Bible itself says that faith is a gift of the Spirit, and it's not always given to everybody, but some people are given faith along the way, and other people are are given different gifts. That, that to me, seems like a radical reading and very different from what I've often heard from church pulpits. So talk to me a little bit about that dynamic between... I have to have faith to get in the door, and faith might be the result of me coming in the door, but there might be other results. Yeah, I find it striking that when the Apostle Paul, in in one of the places where he's giving one of those four example lists, these are the things that the Spirit of the living Christ could gift in the individual members that make up the body of Christ, the church. That in 1 Corinthians 12, one of the items in the long list that includes wild and wacky things like healing and miracle working and tongue speaking, that in addition to that, just embedded in the list is the gift of faith. By the same spirit, Paul says, to some, the gift of faith, which opens it up, doesn't it? To imagine that somehow there's no baseline of doctrinal adherence that is for everyone, perhaps. And that individuals so gifted with faith have that gift, just like any of the other gifts the Spirit could give, for the sake of the common good, Paul says. It's not for your sake alone. It's for the sake of the common good. So on any given day, if I'm believing it real hard, I'm doubling down. Yes, God is in charge. Despite all appearances to the contrary, God gets everything God wants. On the day that you just can't quite, you you just can't hold that today. It just doesn't seem true today. It's all right, because if we're journeying together, I've got some. I'll lend you some. I'll hold it for you. It's fine. What strikes me about that is I think a lot of churches would see what you are doing as a kind of mission field. Like, we're doing the real church back here, and you're out on the frontiers, and I believe that was a word that you used. You're out on the frontier to try and bring the people in, and once they're in the doors, then we'll catechize them and we'll get them believing the right things. Like, it's almost, as I say it, it almost sounds like a bait and switch. Like, like you're out there reaching the people with one kind of of church experience. And then if we can get them hooked long enough, we'll give them the real church experience. We'll convert your church into a real normal church. Now, I'm caricaturing this, I'm sure, but having gone to seminary and having talked to some people who talked about evangelism and mission fields, I don't think I'm that far off base. And so how does a community like Galileo Church resist those wider institutional pressures to draw people in and then, for want of a better word, institutionalize them. Sure. Yeah, you're describing a recipe for like megachurch growth in the late 20th century, right? Where you water down, you dumb down worship, liturgy, the rituals, the practices of the church 
um, to get people in the door for some great entertainment and a really cool experience. And then eventually you hope that their adherence to the right ideas will deepen. That's really the opposite of what we're doing. Galileo Church actually in its liturgy and in its life together is offering a pretty hardcore experience of Christianity. Our liturgy is work. It is the work of the people. It makes me a little bit verklempt, let's say, when people say that Galileo Church is casual. It's a casual church. It's so true that you can wear whatever you want into worship, your flip-flops or your unicorn onesie. I've seen all of these. Sometimes when the air conditioning is out, we post on Facebook group that tonight you should wear as little clothing as you feel comfortable in <laughs> because it's hot in that barn where we meet. But once you get there, what you realize is that in our quest to make something beautiful for our God who is beautiful, that the liturgy we have planned that plan of spoken word and song and scripture all together is anything but casual. And it's not easy. It's not easy. And you're confronted with the tradition, the stories of our ancestors in faith, both the times when they got it extremely right and the times when they got it extremely wrong, because we believe all those stories are important for us as we continue on our quest to draw our hearts near to the heart of God or let ourselves be drawn. And so if you're going to stay in this space over the long haul, you have to get at least some level of comfort with the deeply Christian discourse that's going on all around you. You don't have to say yes or amen to any of that, but you have to at least know that's what we're doing here, deeply Christian, and asking you to think hard and make some decisions about what you're hearing and being asked to say or sing or pray. Now, as you were characterizing the one type of missional model, the thing that my mind leapt to was the kind of young life model where we're going to have skits and songs and dances and you can come as you are, but eventually the goal of that was to get you into a regular church. What I really like about what you're saying here, and I want to really dig into this notion, you said it's a hardcore experience. That really caught me when you use that phrase, because that can push in several directions. Help me understand what hardcore means. I come from a punk rock background, and so hardcore has a certain way of approaching music in particular that was different from what you'd get in the mainstream. So help me understand how you're meaning hardcore here. Hardcore means that we're not ceding any territory to evangelical churches, fundagelical churches, or even mainline churches. We're not giving up any territory. We're not letting go of the Lord's Prayer. We're not letting go of the weekly Eucharist. We're not letting go of hymns, whether they're 20 years old or 100 years old or 500 years old. We're singing them with gusto and reclaiming language that might have been used in the past to exclude some of us or make us feel rotten. We're not giving up the Bible. We're not giving up any parts of it, even the parts of it that are hard or embarrassing <laughs> or racist or homophobic or misogynistic. We're not giving up any of those parts. We're digging deeply into the stories of our ancestors and faith and trying to figure out as best we can from the sort of trail of breadcrumbs that's been left for us, how it is that in our current context, we are meant to lean in to God's own dream for the cosmos. How are we meant to get on board with that and be part of what we think God is doing out there? Now, if I'm hearing you correctly, here's how I would say what I just heard. 
okay, when I come to your worship, I'm going to be confronted with the fact that the Bible is in many ways a horrible book that contains stories that are awful, that are patriarchal, that are misogynistic, that include violence. We're not going to erase those stories or pretend like they're not here. And also we're going to look around and we're going to say, listen, sometimes we are horrible people, that we're not always perfect and we're coming in. But as we're coming in together as sometimes horrible people reading this sometimes horrible book, we're all trying to do the work of a God that is much greater than the violence and the horror that we beset upon ourselves, a God that's calling us to something bigger that is not always contained either in the example of our horrible lives or the example of this horrible book, let's worship. Now, as I say that, have I got it or would you say it in a different way? I might replace horrible with a pair of adjectives we use a lot, broken and burdened. We're people who are broken. That is to say, we are self-involved and we perpetuate a kind of myth of self-sufficiency. We're very narcissistic. People just are, which makes us do terrible things to each other and sometimes to ourselves. And we are burdened. That is to say, we receive the brokenness of other people. It puts heavy weights on our backs. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer every Sunday of the world. Forgive us our sins as, by the way, God, don't forget, we are also forgiving the sins of others because we are both sinner and sinned against. We are broken and we are burdened. So if we can grow in our understanding of ourselves in that way, then maybe we have a chance to grow in our understanding of our ancestors in faith in the same way, including my racist granddad, and so on. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Katie Hayes. She's the founder and lead evangelist of Galileo Church, which is a church that seeks and shelters spiritual refugees, especially young adults and LGBTQ plus people on the outskirts of Fort Worth, Texas. She's the author of We Were Spiritual Refugees, a story to help you believe in church and Family of Origin, Family of Choice, Stories of Queer Christians. Today we're talking about her recent book, God Gets Everything God Wants. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Each week on our program, we bring you a rich conversation about culture and faith. If you're enjoying these conversations, please go to our website, thingsnotseenradio.com. There you'll find close to 10 years of these sorts of interviews and conversations, all available for free for your listening pleasure. Today, we're speaking with Katie Hayes. She's the founder and lead evangelist of Galileo Church, a church that seeks and shelters spiritual refugees, especially young adults and LGBTQ plus people on the outskirts of Fort Worth, Texas. She is the author of We Were Spiritual Refugees, a story to help you believe in church and Family of Origin, Family of Choice, Stories of Queer Christians. Today, we're talking about her recent book, God Gets Everything God Wants. One of the things that struck me about your book, God Gets Everything God Wants, is a statement that you make about the Bible close to the end. You basically say, look, when we see the Bible, we're looking at a document that in many ways is unfinished. God starts some conversations here, but God doesn't necessarily end those conversations. And I'll be honest with you, that I set the book down for a second and I had to think about that because that, again, is very different from how I have thought about the Bible before. And I'd love to hear more about that. Sure. You mentioned earlier a creedal statement from Galatians 3.28 that in Christ, there's no Jew or Greek, there's no slave or free, there's no male and female, which I believe is, is such a high aspiration 
um, for the people of God, for the body of Christ. Not that all those differences are dissolved in the baptismal waters, but rather that the hierarchies that they represent are flattened out. So we remain who we are as baptized people, but the ways that human beings constantly rank each other and ourselves as higher or lower, that status goes away in the church. And so, yeah, but we know that creedal statement of Galatians 3.28 was not achieved within the life of the very, very early church, the nascent church that we read about in scripture. Indeed, they were still arguing about the inclusion of Gentile Christians and the togetherness of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians within the same, we would say, congregational life all the way through the end of the the closure of the canon, the last written words. And so what we have to know is that over time, the arc of the moral universe, right? It's long, but it bends in a direction that God intends. And so I think there are, the metaphor I use is that there are arrows that are launched in scripture and are flying, but have not yet landed at the, the fair, just, kind place that God intends for human relationships with each other. So yeah, the Holy Spirit keeps drawing us along toward those ideals beyond the pages of the Bible. I I hope that's true. It's got to be true. (laughs) Well, I'm very struck by what you just said, that in, for example, this passage from Galatians, differences are not dissolved, but the hierarchies are flattened. I'm going to be sitting with that for a while because I think that was a word that I needed to hear today because I wrestle sometimes with this already not yet nature of it. But as you were giving me your answer, it made me think of another piece from your book, God Gets Everything God Wants. And the what I love about this book, part partly in its structure, is that you are constantly on the page in conversation with yourself through footnotes. So you'll say something, and then I'll jump down to the bottom of the page, and I'll read a footnote where you're basically either arguing with yourself or or giving a different take on it. But one of those moments that I recall from your book is you're talking about Peter and the fact that in the Gospels, Peter is often the one that just names these kind of weird breakages that we see, these unfinished businesses. And you say at the bottom of the page, and by the way, I stand Peter, like I'm on Team Peter. What is the importance for a person who wishes to be a Christian to name the unfinished business, to look at the institution and to say, look, you don't quite have it yet. You still have hierarchies. You still haven't flattened the things that Galatians tells us to flatten. Like, what is the role of truth-telling here? I think the role of truth-telling right here in this late modern, tending toward postmodern age during the decline of the North American Protestant, mostly white church, is to assume a posture of humility. That we have, we should have had it all along. We got, as we say in Texas, too big for our britches somewhere along the way and decided that we did have it all figured out. And if you could just make your way here across our threshold and yes, straighten your tie and sit in our pew, we could give you all the answers to life's hardest questions because it's settled. It's settled doctrine. It's settled business. We have learned that so much is unsettled. We are living through one of the greatest unsettlings in human history, I think, following Phyllis Tickle, where here we are at the end of this half millennium with the crisis of authority again, and who gets to say what God wants, who gets to decide what we're meant to want alongside God. So a position of humility is so essential right now in church life. The church needs to back off of some things that we've been saying very clearly for a long time and just say, you know what? We don't quite know. We've been saying something pretty bad about that for a long time. A prime example is the church and sexual ethics. 
We've said such ridiculous things about sexual ethics for so very long that no one is listening to us in a serious way anymore. And we have not, I have not yet been satisfied with any of the things that are coming out of progressive evangelicalism or confessing mainline churches about what we're meant to say now concerning sexual ethics. I just think the church needs to hit a pause and say, you know what? We don't really know. And we've not been doing a good job. We haven't been responsible with human flourishing in this way for so long. We're just going to sit down for a little while just and just be quiet. So it's, it's humility, I think. I'm really heartened to hear you mention Phyllis Tickle because she was in the back of my mind as I was reading your book, God Gets Everything God Wants. And for, for listeners that are unfamiliar with Phyllis Tickle, one of the things that she said, she, she passed a number of years ago, but one of the things that she said before she passed away is that the, the church is in the midst of a huge rummage sale right now, where we're looking at all of the things that we've inherited and we're saying, well, we can keep this, this needs to go, and maybe I can, I can refigure this with a little bit of new stitching and it'll last a little while longer. But the other thing that really strikes me about Phyllis Tickle is how deeply she was committed to her faith. And that's the same thing that I'm hearing in this conversation conversation is you're not saying, listen, throw all this stuff over the side of the boat, and you're not saying, listen, we need to imagine something different than Christianity, like maybe we just need to abolish Christianity and start over with like maybe Sikhism or something. You're embracing your tradition, and you are looking for the ways in which your tradition can really be life-giving and life-affirming. Now, when I'm saying that, these are my words, not yours, so what have I got right and what have I got wrong? I think what you have right is that rummage sale that Phyllis Tickle talked about requires a great deal of humility. We have to take things that feel like precious heirlooms to us. They feel so valuable to us that we cannot imagine letting them go. But we've got to get some other eyes on those things and ask some people who don't have the same emotional attachment as we do and say, okay, when I offer you this, oh, I don't know, the revised common lectionary say, Say I hold that up to you and I say, what do you think about this beautiful heirloom that has informed my preaching (laughs) for going on 30 years? What do you think about that? And let some people from outside comfort zone, my own peer group, my own collegial group, talk to me about what that looks like to them. And then sometimes they're going to say, I don't understand what that is, what its function is, what it's for. How does that help us again? And if I can't make any sense out of that, then we're going to set that piece aside or We're going to see if it can be repurposed, as you say, if it can come in back into our life together in a way that is nourishing for us. It just requires some humility. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Katie Hayes. She's the founder and lead evangelist of Galileo Church, a church that seeks and shelters spiritual refugees, especially young adults and LGBTQ plus people on the outskirts of Fort Worth, Texas. Today, we're speaking about her recent book, God Gets Everything God Wants. Well, here in our conversation, we've been making space, but we haven't really named it. It's come up a couple times, but everything that we're talking about so far, reimagining the unfinished business of the Bible and reimagining the unfinished institutional work of the church, we're really talking about the influence here of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes up a lot of space here in your book, God Gets Everything God Wants. So I'd like to now invite you to bring the Holy Spirit into our conversation, what work is the Holy Spirit doing that you're observing here in the world and in your church? It's one of the things that I had so wrong in my early ministry. I told people all the time that I was baptizing them or that they had been baptized in the name of the, we would say, Father, 
Son, and Holy Spirit. But I wasn't taught all along the way to really treat people in my church as if they were imbued with the spirit of the living Christ. The model of ministry that I learned was pretty condescending, actually, that people needed me to guide them to know the right thing to do, to know how to spend the church's money, to know what next decisions we should make together, right down to the, the minutia of, of holding the church's calendar in my brain or on my calendar as if I held everybody's busyness for their sake in the church office. But at Galileo Church, we talk a lot about the people in our church being grown-ass adults imbued with the spirit of the living Christ. And that if we actually believe that and treat each other that way, then we start to say things like, well, I don't know, what do you think? (laughs) When people ask me a thorny theological question or come in need of some pastoral counseling, I don't know, what do you think? Because actually the spirit is guiding people into all kinds of new ideas and frightening possibilities and exhilarating newness that I just don't think they could have come up with on their own. And a lot of times it happens in our church that a couple people or three people or five people will come up with the same strange idea for their lives or for our life together apart from each other. And we say, oh, that's got to be, that must be the the Holy Spirit. She's in here working again to make stuff happen that we wouldn't have thought of by ourselves. It strikes me as you're saying all this, how much Katie Hayes and your personal journey is a part of the theology that undergirds Galileo Church as a community. And so I wonder if you have thought or if you've had conversations with your congregation about what Galileo Church looks like when there's not Katie Hayes there and your personality and your journey there as a foundation for this church. And so I now invite you to help us to see that future, because I would love to see what you're talking about continue. I want to understand how it continues beyond the personality that I'm here engaged with that is so powerful and is so wise. How do you imbue that spirit into an institution when already you are leery of institutions? Right, right. And we all know that this happens, right? That uh, any institution can get founder syndrome. The, the person who founded it, who started it from the beginning, if you hang around too long, it becomes so intrinsically enmeshed with your own personality that the institution doesn't survive when the personality is gone. That would break my heart about Galileo Church if that turned out to be true. So there are a few things we do. One is that we talk realistically about what it would take to replace me. On our missional logistics team, which is our leadership team, we, a few years ago, started making adjustments to compensation, for example, on a plan called Katie Gets Hit by a Bus plan. So in other words, I was the founder of the church. I would have done the work for free and I was doing it for less money than was reasonable. And it was fine because this is my passion project. This is my you know, second half of life spirituality, according to Richard Ward. This is the thing I was born for. But the next person who comes after me isn't going to do it like a passion project. They're going to do it like a vocation and they'll do it with all their heart, but they won't do it for nothing. So we talk about that and pretty freely, pretty openly. So that phrase, what if Katie gets hit by a bus now is a sort of test for all kinds of things, processes that only I knew the address database that I kept on my little personal address book on my laptop now has you know, become available to the church leadership in a whole new way. How we had to hire some people to make stuff like that happen, to get up to wrench a bunch of that stuff out of me and more generally into the life of the church. I took a leave of absence in 20, 
18 for about five months to write my first book on a grant from the Louisville Institute for a pastoral study project. And that was such a great test for me and for Galileo Church to see whether the church knew how to church without me there. Guess what? It turns out they do. And we're going to attribute that to the Holy Spirit. I think that's that's such a good thing. And I think that just the ways we keep encouraging each other to tell our stories, finding points of contact between my narrative and the narratives of so many people who come into our church, that in itself flattens out the hierarchy. I am not the, the leader who's got the one true journey. It's just that I happen to have been on a journey that lots and lots of people in my church have been on. And once we start to recognize that, the, the like attracting like that we find these points of contact in our lives together, we begin to see that it's possible to find spiritual resonance with people other than the first person you met who told you about Galileo Church, which is very often me still. It strikes me as I'm listening to your answer, there's a portion in your book, God Gets Everything That God Wants, where you talk about the ministry of Jesus. And you say, oftentimes we think about the ministry of Jesus as this three-year project. And you say, listen, if we actually look at the history of it, it might have only been eight or nine months. And pretty soon Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to give you some guidance with the Spirit, and you're going to have to take this, and you're going to do it yourselves. I hear that same kind of spirit in what you're saying of, there's limitation here. There's finitude. To use your phrase, Katie might get hit by a bus. We need to be thinking about ways in which the Spirit is going to carry this on. Now, when I make that kind of comparison, does that kind of mirror the way that you and your colleagues are thinking about this and talking about this? Are are you really that committed to the Spirit that you believe that the Spirit really will do this work? The Spirit has already done this work in so many ways, so many times. I remember the summer that Galileo Church said goodbye to the very last of the originals, the planting team that had come alongside me, those seven, eight, nine, ten 10 young adults, less than half my age, who said, yes, let's make some room for people who aren't here yet. And that's how the church was born, right? And when we said goodbye to the last of those, and I looked around and our worship space was vibrant and filled with people who had come since that time, I just knew that it's okay. And we practiced this gesture at Galileo quite a lot, Every Sunday, we have a body prayer where we invite everyone to use simple gestures with their body to engage in the act of prayer. And one of the gestures we use is the clenching of the fist very tightly. We pray about things that we've held on to, fears or grudges or ideas about God or ideas about ourselves. And then we practice the relinquishment, the release, the opening of our hands to let those things go, trusting that if we let go what we had held on to so tightly, God through the spirit of the living Christ will refill our spirits with what's needful for now. And it's happened so many times. So Galileo Church now, none of the originals are still around. And yet here we are. A pandemic happened. I don't know if you heard, but there's been this global pandemic. And we did not know. We did not know whether the light infrastructure that we had built when it was pulled out from under us, whether the relationships that had been built on that lattice work would survive the institution going dormant for those 18 months. And and they did. The relationships survived. And we're coming out on the other side of that, sort of-ish, and finding we still have a lot of love in our hearts for each other and have not forgotten each other's stories. We have not forgotten each other's faces. We are still here doing life together. It's quite beautiful. So the Spirit has already been proven trustworthy to us. She's a good friend and she's with us the whole way. I, I think that will be true for as long as we remain you know, hands open and hearts open to receive what she has to give. Well, Katie Hayes, when I first saw the title of your book, God Gets Everything God Wants, 
I, I had a shock, a little bit of fear. I was like, is this some kind of hyper-Calvinist kind of notion of God controlling everything? I was so pleasantly surprised to see how refreshingly honest, how open, how inviting, how humble your book was, and yet it was so deep and so full of spiritual wisdom, and I learned so much from it. And even from this conversation, things that I'm going to be carrying with me, particularly that thing about flattening the hierarchies that I'm going to be thinking about for weeks to come. I am so grateful that you took the time to write this book, and I'm especially grateful that you took the time to talk about it with us today. David, it's been a generous experience on my part for you to give me this time and and so much of your attention. Thank you. Thank you so much. We've been speaking today with Katie Hayes. She's the founder and lead evangelist of Galileo Church, a church that seeks and shelters spiritual refugees, especially young adults and LGBTQ plus people on the outskirts of Fort Worth, Texas. She's the author of We Were Spiritual Refugees, a story to help you believe in church. And along with Susan A. Chiason, she's also the author of Family of Origin, Family of Choice, Stories of Queer Christians. Today, we've been talking about her most recent book, God Gets Everything. God wants. Things Not Seen is produced by Sandberg Media LLC. We're distributed nationally by PRX, the public radio exchange. Today's show was recorded at the William Adams Studios in beautiful Hyde Park here on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. Our studios have a home courtesy of the Zygon Center for Religion and Science, part of the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. Neither Zygon nor LSTC are responsible for the content of this program. Our theme music is composed by Gene Keeja. Our show is made possible in part by the generosity of supporters on Patreon. You can find out how to help us create great programs by going to patreon.com slash notseenradio. You can follow us on Twitter at notseenradio. Visit us on Facebook and like our page to receive regular updates about the show and find out more about our guests. That's facebook.com slash thingsnotseenradio. And you can sign up for the free podcast, listen to old shows, send us an email, and find out more about our guests if you visit us on the web at thingsnotseenradio.com. I'm David Dalt, and we'll be back next week with more conversations about culture and faith. Please join us.